Mr. President, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Why aren't you at the Fox News debate tonight in Milwaukee? Well, you know, a lot of people have been asking me that, and many people said you shouldn't do them, but you see the polls have come out, and I'm leading by 50 and 60 points. And, you know, some of them are at one and zero and uh, two. And I'm saying, do I sit there for an hour or two hours, whatever it's going to be, and uh, get harassed by people that shouldn't even be running for president? Should I be doing that? Uh, and a network that isn't particularly friendly to me, frankly. You know, they, uh, they were backing Ron DeSanctimonious like crazy, and now they've given up on him. I mean, he's, it's a lost cause. It reminded me very much of 2016. You know, in 2016, I went through the same stuff and had to fight them all the way. And then they became very friendly after I won or just about when I was winning. But I just felt it would be uh, more appropriate not to do the debate. I don't think it's uh, right to do it. Uh, if you're leading by 50, 60, I have one problem leading by 70 points. And I'm saying, why am I doing it? And I'm going to have eight people, 10 people, whoever made the debate, I don't know how many it is, but I'm gonna have all these people screaming at me, shouting questions at me, all of which I love answering, I love doing, but it doesn't make sense to do them. So uh, I've taken a pass. So that was President, former President Donald Trump uh, with Tucker Carlson, who did an interview at the same time the Republican debate was taking place. And as a matter of fact, Forbes is reporting that um, more than 150 million people have watched that interview with Tucker. They talked about uh, potential violence in the streets. They talked about J6. They talked about whether President Trump was afraid for his life. Very interesting discussion, and I guess uh, quite a showing for people listening. Meanwhile, uh, across the block, no, actually across the country, uh, in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the Republican debate took place. It was not without importance, uh, and uh, but it was a t completely different event. We're going to talk about that today and sort of uh, give you, I'm going to ask Bruce to join me, and we're going to give you our evaluation of what took place uh, at that debate. I hope that uh, you'll find it beneficial. And so uh, before we do that, though, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to play some clips. If you missed the debate, you certainly will want to lis uh, listen to this and hear some people say some things that you need to know that they said. And our analysis hopefully will help you as you're trying to make a decision on this very important upcoming election. But first, I want to thank Preborn. Uh, you know, because of your generosity, I have some numbers now of how, uh, what they've actually been doing from January to June of this year, uh, 2023. Uh, okay, so you're giving money to buy ultrasounds, right, to pay for ultrasounds. So far, they have provided 48,000. I mean, in this six-month period, 48,993 ultrasounds uh, thanks to you. But you know what? Here's the stat on how many babies were saved as a result of that. It's 28,845. We have saved together 28,845 babies' lives. And you can see, you know, I always tell you when I'm talking that over half of the women who actually see their baby and see it moving in the womb and recognize maybe features and can see if it's a boy or a girl, over half of them decide to keep their babies. And that stat uh, bears that out, even in this particular six-month uh, uh, period of time. So, um, look, we're, we are making progress. And uh, when I say do, say something, do something, man, this is something that you're doing that's having a, a real impact. It's not like you have to wait months or years. You can have an impact right now. And if you would like to do that, go to preborn.com slash 
Sandy, preborn.com slash Sandy, $28 buys one ultrasound. That's all it takes. And of course, uh, they need a lot more than one, but as much as you can afford. It's preborn.com slash Sandy, uh, and um, that's how you do it. It's very simple. And also, you know, if you want to call us, if you've got something to say about what we're discussing today, you might have a lot to say about the debate. You might have a different take on it or not like something we said, or you might be uh, cheering us on. We'd love to hear from you. It's 662-821-2040, 662-821-2040, or you can write us at email at sandy at net. You should jot that down in case you think of something while you're listening and you can't find it. It's sandy at net to make your voice heard in writing. Also, you can go to our Facebook page and engage in discussion with others at Sandy Rios 24 Seven, you can catch us on all podcast platforms, especially AFR.net, our home base. And you can certainly find us at SandyRios.com. That's a real easy way to listen. Okay, take out your pencil and pen, put your glasses on. We're going to talk about this debate on this edition of Sandy Rios 24-7. From American Family Radio, Sandy Rios. We are not called to be nice. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in D.C. is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. I think the most important thing we need to demonstrate to our children is genuineness. That we actually believe what we say we believe. A longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. Seek justice. Not social justice, but God's justice. What's right and what's wrong. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. We've got to say this is the line. Life is sacred. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up. Speak up. Say something. Do something. Our country is in decline. This decline is not inevitable. It's a choice. We need to send Joe Biden back to his basement and reverse American decline. And it starts with understanding we must reverse Bidenomics so that middle class families have a chance to succeed again. We cannot succeed as a country. If you are working hard and you can't afford groceries, a car, or a new home while Hunter Biden can make hundreds of thousands of dollars on lousy paintings. That is wrong. We, we also cannot succeed when the Congress spends trillions and trillions of dollars. Those rich men north of Richmond have put us in this situation. And finally, we need to lower your gas prices. We're going to open up all energy production. We will be energy dominant again in this country. I showed it could be done in the state of Florida. I pledge to you as your president, we will get the job done and I will not let you down. This is Sandy Rios on Sandy Rios 24-7. And that was Governor Ron DeSantis of the great state of Florida making his opening comments on the debate stage in Milwaukee uh, just recently in the Republican debate where eight candidates stood on that stage. Uh, Ron DeSantis was centered stage next to Vivek Ramaswamy because they have the most uh, they have the most support out of percentages, money, whatever, and that's why they were on the stage. But in addition to them, it was Asa Hutchison, the former governor of Arkansas, Chris Christie, former governor of New Jersey, uh, Mike Pence, former vice president of the United States, Vivek Ramaswamy, brand new tech mogul, 38 years old on the stage, and Nikki Haley, former ambassador to the UN, Tim Scott, current uh, uh, senator from the state of 
South Carolina, and Doug Bergram, who nobody seems to know who he is, but he is the governor of uh, North Dakota, so he was on the stage as well. I have a few comments before I ask Bruce to join me. I, I have to say that at the very beginning, there were a lot of boos, and it wasn't just for Chris Christie. There were boos for Asa Hutchinson. Uh, there were boos, I think, for Mike Pence, too. We'd have to listen again, but I'm pretty sure there were some boos. Certainly later, there were some boos. Uh, and there were cheers, a lot of cheers for Ron DeSantis, Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, Mike Pence also got some good cheers. Um, and so um, maybe some of the others did, too. So don't t- take that as your accurate, that, the accurate assessment of cheers, but those are the ones that stood out to me. Um, the audience was very lively, if you've probably heard. Some people think that's terrible. I'm not sure I do. We're kind of in a really serious time, and I think emotions are natural. I feel like if we if we don't have emotions about this or anger or even joy, uh, that's dangerous. We have to feel strongly now because we're about to lose our country. I, I think if I were to analyze uh, some of the candidates on the stage, I would say in regard to Ron DeSantis, I felt Ron was a little bit stiff, maybe over-prepped. He's probably a bit on the campaign trail, and so... It's, he usually sounds very sincere and impassioned, and he did do that, but you could just tell. After they've been out a while, it happens to all of them. They get a lot of coaching, and they be, become less fresh. They become less authentic, everyone except Donald Trump. I don't think anybody can coach him, so he's always himself. Um, by the way, I don't agree with President Trump when he uh, disparages Ron DeSantis, just to be clear. I, I don't think that's healthy. Chris Christie was horrible on the stage last night. He was so insulting to uh, to the president and also Vivek Ramaswamy. You'll hear some of that. Uh, Chris Christie um, always gets his uh, punches in. I used to love Chris, and when he was governor of New Jersey, I was in on radio in Chicago, and I used to say, "I have a cr- I have a crush on Chris Christie. I've got a crush on him because he was so strong in some things." And New Jersey had never had a governor that was pro life that I know of, at least not in cur- the current uh, iterations. And so he was very strong on that issue, but somewhere something went very wrong. And now I agree uh, in the characterization of him as sort of bitty, bitter in resentment. And we'll we'll talk about that. Mike Pence uh, didn't. Mm, I'm going to talk about him at greater length. I I was disappointed as I have been consistently uh, since uh, the Mike Pence I knew many years ago. And I'll give you some illustrations of why uh, in just a second. Um, Vivek Ramaswamy, I think, was the winner last night. He was terrific. I mean, he was wonderful. I have things to say about him, too. I'll come back to that. But as far as performance on the stage and the things that he said, uh, he was probably the winner. Nikki Haley uh, was, I have a strong bias. I'm not crazy about Nikki. I thought she was great as an ambassador to the UN. Uh, but I don't, I, I'm not a fan of her policies. I She's just a little bit too much of a rhino, plus other things, and I'll talk about that maybe at some point. Tim Scott, great guy, uh, but he was talking. He used talking points. Nothing is earth-shaking. Nothing seems terribly original. Seems all very safe, and I know that uh, Tim is part of the establishment, and that already is not a good thing from my perspective. And then uh, Doug Bergen was kind of refreshing and natural because he had nothing to lose, so he made some quips that were good. But um, I, I would like to say that I think... Um, Remember that Fox has purged Tucker Carlson and, for the most part, purged their more conservative hosts. Now, there are, there are exceptions, of course, as Laura Ingram um, and some of the others. I, I can't even mention in this moment because I'm in a hurry. But you know that Fox has gone through a huge, huge change, and they've lost a lot of audience. You also must know that they are still very, 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 very 
tied to the establishment, as though uh, you didn't need more proof. Karl Rove was on the plat, not the platform, but he was in the studio. Uh, one of the ones commenting afterwards said, Carl still has, uh, maybe some of you don't even know who Carl was. He was the chief of staff for George W. Bush, and uh, he ruled with an iron fist. He's not, he's unscrupulous. Uh, I, that's my personal opinion. Uh, and he's certainly in the rhino camp. Whatever it takes to, to win, that's what Carl wants to do. Uh, so, uh, and then, of course, there's um, Paul Ryan, who's on the board at Fox also. So my personal opinion is that they, I just suspect, I don't know how in the world uh, Doug Bergen got in that, Bergram got on that stage. Who knows about him? Who knows him? You're supposed to have a certain percentage in the polls and all of this money coming in. Who? How did that happen? A guy from North Dakota that people don't know about, yet he's there. Uh, Asa Hutchinson, how did he do that? He's not liked. Asa is a very unlikable person. He supported you know, transgender surgeries uh, for children in Arkansas. I think he vetoed a bill to stop that, um, and among other things. And then um, Chris Christie is notably that. Mike Pence is, is notably that. Ron DeSantis, I think, is playing footsie with the establishment. I'll tell you right up front. I'm not happy about that. So I, I don't know. I feel like it was a, like a gathering of the rhinos, and there were some, uh, some bright spots that broke through that, and I was very grateful for those bright spots. Maybe one of those moments came when Vivek Ramaswamy uh, said what he did about American education. This is clip eight. So look, we have a crisis of achievement. Let's shut down the head of the snake, the Department of Education. Take that $80 billion, put it in the hands of parents across this country. This is the civil rights issue of our time. Allow any parent to choose where they send their kids to school. End the teachers' unions at the local level to allow public schools to compete. And then revive our national identity where every high school senior should have to pass the same civics test that, frankly, every immigrant, including my mother, had to pass in order to become a citizen of this country. And the fact of the matter is, look, there's a part of education policy that also rests with the family. I didn't grow up in money. But you know the word privilege gets used a lot? Well, you know what? I did have the ultimate privilege of two parents in the house with a focus on educational achievement. And I want every kid to enjoy that. So part of the problem is we also have a federal government that pays single women more not to have a man in the house than to have a man in the house, contributing to an epidemic of fatherlessness. And I think that goes hand in glove with the education crisis as well, because we have to remember education starts with the family, and the nuclear family is the greatest form of governance known to mankind. Okay, so I believe Vivek Ramaswamy was definitely the uh, strongest debater. And with that, I want to bring Bruce into the conversation because we watched the debate together, but we really haven't talked about it. Sometimes when we know we're going to talk about things on the air, we don't, we like, don't say that. I don't want to hear it. Don't tell me that we're on the mic. So I don't really know what your assessment is, Bruce. Uh, What did you think of the debate? Well, I actually went into it with kind of low expectations, knowing that Donald Trump was not going to be there. But uh, in the end, I really thought it was a good thing in that it, it fleshed out uh, right away, people that you can look at and go, this person probably belongs in the arena, and this person does not. And um, uh, it was a little bit, though, like if you've ever gone to a boxing match and they, they have preliminary matches, and then you wait for the main event. <laughs> However, this was just the preliminary event. Uh, there was no main card at the end because obviously Donald Trump is the champion, and these are all contenders. And so 
I do think, though, that this uh, helped to sort out some of the challenges. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, so you said it came, be, I think you said, it became kind of like a brawl. I mean, I, it was certainly like that. I want to give people an idea. Now, it wasn't just that. There were moments, like I just played with Vivek, who said some very, that was substantive, to do away with unions. <laughs> kidding me? But his house is going to be burned down. To do away with unions and the education department meant them's fighting words, and no one else said that, although Ron DeSantis probably uh, is in that camp as well. Well, I thought it was really refreshing to have Vivek uh, Ramaswamy there because he is not a politician. He's somewhat like Trump was. He is the wild card. He's not held office. He has very fresh ideas, whether you agree with them or not, but like you say, talking about doing away with, with unions, with teachers' um, unions, gi- gi- uh, <laughs> doing away with the Department of Education and taking that $80 billion and funneling t- to parents so they can make choices for their children as to where they'll be educated. I mean, these are things that you are not going to hear out of a mainstream candidate. And they're not rhino positions. Uh, that's, that was a radical position. No one else on that stage except for Ron. Ron DeSantis might have echoed that. Yeah. Uh, he didn't have a mo- he didn't have a chance to do that. But I want to give a play another clip here. This was uh, the, an example of the brawling. Chris Christie is a brawler, and if you've watched anything of his performances, you know at this point he hates Donald Trump. He's been hating him for a long time. He's kind of taken the place of George Conway. Con- Conway used to be so nasty, even when Kellyanne, his wife Conway, was in the White House working for Trump. Uh, George was said horrible things, unnecessary. I think put Kelly in a really bad position. Uh, but Chris Christie doesn't have that tie. But he is mad at Trump because President Trump rebuffed his desire to be part of the cabinet. And so ever since then, he's been out, you know, railing about this. So last night, this came up a little bit. I want you to, and so Christie had gone after Vivek. Uh, and I want you to hear a little bit of that exchange. This is clip three. Whether or not you believe that the criminal charges are right or wrong, the conduct is beneath the office of President of the United States. And, 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 you know, this is the great thing about this country. Booing is allowed, but it doesn't change the truth. It doesn't change the truth. Mr. Ramaswamy, you raised your hand supporting. No, I'd like to hey. get in and respond. Let's just speak the truth, okay? President Trump, I believe, was the best president of the 21st century. It's a fact. And Chris Christie, honest to God, your claim that Donald Trump is motivated by vengeance and grievance would be a lot more credible if your entire campaign were not based on vengeance and grievance against one man. And if people at home want to see a bunch of people blindly bashing... Donald Trump without an iota of vision for this country. They could just change the channel to MSNBC right now. But I'm not running for president of MSNBC. I am running for president of the United States. We're skating on thin ice, and we cannot set a precedent where the party in power uses police force to indict its political opponents. It is wrong. We have to end the weaponization of justice in this country. Yeah, so so they had quite a brawl. I think... The point has to be made that Chris Christie has done very poorly since he was governor of New Jersey. He's tried running for several different things, and he's he's just performed poorly, and people don't really like him. Uh, and yet he, Steve, he keeps pursuing this. So he's there to—he hated Vivek. I mean, he said some horrible things to him. He said he compared him to Obama. 
and a real uh, scathing comment. I can't remember what it was exactly, but it didn't go well. Uh, but so we had a lot of substance last night, but we had some, some uh, kind of other interesting moments that had no substance. You know, just uh, finishing up on Chris Christie, I look at him as a frustrated man. He's the guy who feels he was passed over by President Trump to be a part of his administration. And instead of accepting that and and going on his own way and trying to um, have his own platform, his platform has become revenge. And I, th- to me, it just seemed obvious that the only reason Chris Christie is up there is to be an attack dog against Donald Trump. And I'm sure Fox loved it because... Christie is good at playing the villain. He he delights in being the bully in the room. Yeah. And, you know, he can stand there. And it, it, just look at his statement like, you can boo, but it doesn't make it, uh, it doesn't change the truth. Like, he's the standard bearer of right. truth. No right. matter what he says, that's the truth. <laughs> well, there was another bully on the stage. And it was always shocking. I never thought I would see Mike Pence behave this way. He kept interrupting. Uh, barging in. He wasn't following the rules. Brett Baer had to kind of rebuke him, uh, but he kept trying to get him himself into the debate more. wasn't very becoming. And so I want to play a couple. I have a, p- a couple of points about uh, Mike Pence in this. Um, Mike is a Christian. He started with uh, the equivalent of the Indiana Family Foundation associated with Focus on the Family. He used to do a radio show in Indiana. He was a really fine guy. He went to Congress and it was a strong pro-lifer, and he was known for his integrity. Uh, from my perspective, he went to Indiana to become governor, and I saw ambition kind of rise up. It started actually in D.C., and now I don't really recognize him because I feel like if you were to ask people in the arena what they think of him, he's more known for uh, now like playing both sides of the, of the coin. I've seen him do it repeatedly. He did it in Indiana also on um, Common Core. He talked out of both sides of his mouth and really undermined uh, the people that were uh, so, so supporting him to stop Common Core. It was really tragic. He did the same thing on the transgender issue. So I'm just telling you, that's my background with Mike Pence. I knew him well in D.C. I hate to even say that, because I, uh, but I have to say something's not right here. Uh, and one of the things that disturbed me last night was uh, his references to his faith. I guess if you listen to me, you know that I don't believe in hiding my faith in Christ. Uh, but I'll tell you what I don't believe in doing is wearing it like a badge. Uh, when I, I'll give you an example. When, we, when I was in Chicago on radio and we had a lot more advertisers, it was, it was a commercial radio, um, uh, sometimes because uh, we had a large Christian audience, we'd have advertisers who wanted to use, you know, Bible verses in their commercials or... Uh, you know, name their company. They weren't selling Bibles. They were selling like tools or cars or whatever. And I, I always had an aversion to that. I just think it's wrong to sell yourself or some product uh, in the name of Christ. I just don't, I don't like that. I have a real uh, sensitivity about it. And um, if, it's, uh, if you're in a debate or in a, in a campaign and someone asks you about where your, your values, your morals come from or why you feel the way you do on a certain issue like life or I don't have a problem with just telling them people. Mike Huckabee used to be great at that. Just give them the natural answer, which is your faith and which is God's way. Uh, but to throw it in, uh, to well, this is the way I feel it was done last night. It was thrown in for a purpose that I wasn't crazy about. I'll let you hear it. Maybe you'll disagree with me. But this is the first statement uh, by Mike Pence that 
Uh, I think this was maybe his opening statement. Let's listen. Clip one. I'm not new to this cause. After I gave my life to Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I opened up the book and I read, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And see, I set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. And I knew from that moment on the cause of life had to be my cause. And I've been a champion for life in the Congress, a champion for life as governor and as vice president. And uh, to be honest with you, Nikki, you're my friend, but uh, consensus is the opposite of leadership. When the Supreme Court returned this question to the American people, they didn't just send it to the states only. It's not a states only issue. It's a moral issue. And I promise you, as president of the United States, the American people will have a champion for life in the Oval Office. Can't we have a minimum standard in every state in the nation that says when a baby is capable of feeling pain, an abortion cannot be allowed? A 15-week ban is an idea whose time has come. It's supported by 70% of the American people, but it's going to take unapologetic leadership, leadership that stands on principle and expresses compassion for women okay, in crisis hold, hold pregnancies. I'll do that as president of the United States. Okay, I, I can't, I mean, standing alone, that sounds fine, right? Because uh, I'm glad. I, I hope I hope he feels that way. I'm sure he does. He had a co- commitment to life. I can't argue with that. I can't take that away from him. But I want to give you a sev- second example here where he talks about his faith. But i got to give it in context here. Because last night, uh, Brett Baer asked everyone on the stage, uh, raise your hand if you think Mike Pence did the right thing on January the 6th. And by that, you know what I'm talking about where President Trump asked him uh, to hear the objections uh, to the electors and also hear the concerns from, there were probably 18 states on that day that felt that their electors were not properly chosen, that there were problems in their states, that they didn't have time to work out, they were trying at home, and they wanted a little bit more time to consider. Uh, And uh, so John Eastman is, is a constitutional attorney, He was President Trump's attorney. He wrote a whole uh, treatise on why the Constitution does not prohibit Mike Pence from holding off. I don't know how, what he asked for specifically. I've talked to John, and if I should remember, Uh, but it was uh, nothing in the Constitution. What Mike said he couldn't do because it was unconstitutional was just not true, and that's what he's claimed at every point. He sort of led people to believe that he was going to. Uh, help because there were problems in the election. But when it came, push came to, came to shove, he demanded the vote and uh, refused to follow the advice of John Eastman and the urging of President Trump. So that's a huge issue. It still is. So every, uh, J- Brett Baer wanted to ask every person on the stage last night if they thought Mike Pence did what he was supposed to do. Well, Ron DeSantis spoke up immediately and said, wait a minute, we're not junior high kids. We're not school kids. This is something that requires discussion. And so he made his remarks, and then uh, Tim Scott made his remarks, and he said, yes, Mike did the right thing. And then he changed the subject. So the subject was changed, and then it came back, uh, and Mike Pence spoke up, and uh, it wasn't his turn to speak. But this is, uh, he interjected, and this is what he said. This is clip four. I, I think the American people deserve to know whether everyone on this stage agrees that I kept my oath to the Constitution that day. There's we, no we more important duty. So, so answer the question. Thing. I... All right, so you have to know. Uh, okay, so so he comes back to that. No, I want to know. 
Uh, the American people deserve to know. Do these people believe I did, I did the right thing? This is important to him. So on that stage, uh, we had uh, Asa Hutchinson. Of course, he did the right thing. We have Chris Christie. Yes, he did the right thing, of course. Uh, Ron DeSantis, I'm not sure he was ever clear about that. I, I don't, I, 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 maybe you remember, Bruce. Uh, Vivek, uh, I'm not sure what Vivek said. No, he said no. He said he was the only one who said no. Nikki said yes. Tim Scott said yes. And Doug Bergram, they all enthusiastically said he did the right thing. But that wasn't good enough. And so um, I'm going to play this in sequence because it all comes up also in the sequence of whether Trump should be pardoned. So Brett also asked if who of you on the stage would pardon President Trump. And so that's how this starts. This is clip five. Well, Mike, why don't you say this? Join me yeah. in making a commitment well that on day one you would pardon Donald Trump. I'm the only candidate on the stage who had the courage to actually say it. That is how we move our nation forward I don't know and turn the page forward. That's exactly Trump right. Will be convicted of these crimes. You should make be able to make a commitment. The same oh. justice system that was this fact, corrupt. The difference between you and, and me. Yeah, I'm not a professional actually, politician. That's I've the difference. Actually, who can answer uh, a question? I've actually given pardons. When I was governor of state of Indiana, it usually follows a finding of guilt and contrition by the individual that's been convicted. So, we'll look, we'll, if I'm president of the United States, we'll give fair consideration any pardon request. But if I'm at... <laughs> All right, so that was the first. And then Pence goes on, he jumps in again, because, uh, because he must be vindicate, vindicated. This is what he said. This is clip six. You know, it's not about looking back at, at January 2021. It's about January 20th, 2017. I put my left hand on Ronald Reagan's Bible. I raised my right hand. And I took an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. And it ended with a prayer, so help me God. It was a promise that I made to the American people, but I also made it, it made it to my Heavenly Father. Every day for four years, I sought to keep that oath. And everyone on this stage needs to make it clear whether or not they'll do the same if they earn this job and the confidence of the American people. Now, look, I've made it clear. I, I had hoped that the issues surrounding the 2020 election and the controversies around January 6th had not come to this, had not come to criminal proceedings. I would rather they had been resolved by the American people and the American people alone. But no one's above the law. And President Trump is entitled to the presumption of innocence that every American is entitled to. And we will make sure and extend that to him. But the American people deserve to know that the president asked me in his request that I reject or return votes unilaterally, power that no vice president in American history had ever exercised or taken. He asked me to put him over the Constitution. And uh, I chose the Constitution, and I always will. I had no Vice right to overturn the election, and Kamala Harris will have no right to overturn the election when we beat them in 2024. There are a few things to say about that. I started out with my original point of he throws in his faith, faith often. That's the reason he was appointed vice president under Trump, because Christians were concerned about Trump as a man and his character and his morality. So Vice President Pence was a great choice uh, because he had the reputation of being a strong Christian. So he's got to reestablish that again. That's what he's trying to do. Uh, but he also then ends by saying, I, I want you to know, he's, first of all, he says, everyone on this stage needs to weigh in. You have to weigh in whether I was right or wrong. 
I want to hear every no, no, everybody on the stage has to weigh in. Did I was I right or was I wrong? Uh, and then he says at the end, and then all of you have to know that President Trump asked me to choose him over the Constitution, and I chose because I uh, because of my faith and I chose the Constitution. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, that's just not true. This is a disagreement. The Constitution is not specific about what the vice president's role can be in that case. And in the past, we've had many, many times in our nation's history where uh, electors have been challenged, especially by the Democrats. Uh, so it was, it's a difference of opinion on where the Constitution stands on this. So, uh, Bruce, your comments on that? Well, I, I feel like Mike Pence is trying to, you know, have his cake and eat it too. Um, doing the, the uh, safe thing does not necessarily mean that you're following the Constitution. If anything, the Constitution is written so that we, we will examine avenues that are as to what is constitutional and what is not. And I, I mean, I wasn't there with the conversation between Donald Trump and, and Mike Pence before th- that day on January 6th when, the, when um, the decision was made by Pence not to stop the proceedings. But my understanding from everything I've read is Donald Trump did not ask Mike Pence to overturn the election. Yeah, that's he asked He asked Mike Pence to delay the counting of the electors until states could um, resolve, the resolve their problems that they might have as to what was the vote count. That is, see, that's a real easy way to make yourself look good. Like, I wasn't going to overturn an election. And believe me, it, if Donald Trump did not ask him to overturn the election, then that's a way different thing than Pence is trying to put out there. Yeah. And I don't believe that Donald Trump asked him to overturn the election. I think he said, Mike, hold up. Let bias 10 days or something until these issues can be resolved, and then we'll count the electors. You know, what? And I think Mike Pence was afraid. I really do. I think uh, maybe he felt he was doing the right thing, but I think some of it was motivated out of fear. And I think you could see that last night that he's trying to make up... Rewrite history. Rewrite history, mm-hmm. uh, you know, make himself feel better about things. Now, again, I could be wrong in this, but that was my impression in looking at the way... He conducted himself. I think he's been advised by consultants that you have to make yourself look like the good guy on January 6th. And one of the ways you can do that is by putting your faith forward so that people can't uh, question your truthfulness. Yeah, so there's more to this, too. I have to say, uh, I talked about this on the morning show, but it needs to be discussed now. Uh, People will remember that when President Trump was elected, uh, I don't have to tell all the details. I'll just tell you that uh, he hired Reince Priebus and a lot of people from the Rhino camp thinking, thinking that he could woo and win them and it would be better to have them in the camp and start working with him. He had no idea what he was dealing with. So I know for a fact uh, that there were people lined up to work for Trump who were loyal to him and wanted his policies, especially they wanted to do his policies. Very few of, the, few of them actually made it into the White House, though, because what happened was um, the uh, Johnny Stefano, under the leadership of Reince Priebus, was in charge of hiring, and all those resumes from conservatives were thrown in the trash can, 
And what happened was we got these horrible generals in the Pentagon. We got people uh, undermining him, his attorneys undermining him. You know the story, right? All of you know what happened from that. So I'll tell you what else happened. Mike Pence chose as his chief of staff as vice president a guy named Mark Short. Mark is a never-Trumper. Mark hates Trump. That's not a secret in D.C. And so um, I know Mark once wanted, once Mike Pence to be president. So I know that was part of what was happening here. Uh, if, if Mike had, uh, if President Trump had, um, if it hadn't developed the way it had, and it did develop the way they wanted it to, where Trump uh, was not, no longer the president, there'd have to be uh, a different four years of a, de- a Democrat. I know that there was a desire to have Mike Pence be the next president, and they thought he was a shoo-in because he'd been vice president and everybody loved him, right? And they've, they've seen differently. They've seen that m- people have figured out that Mike is not who they thought he, they thought he was. But I, can, I can't, I can't oh, look, I don't know what was in his head on that day, Mike's head, but um, he was also, there were, the issue also was very likely that he would be the next president if President Trump did not prevail. So I'm just telling you, um, there's a lot of uh, stuff there that's just uh, not right. I also want to make another point, Bruce. One thing I notice, now I've been in big donor meetings in, not a, I'm not a big donor, but I've been invited to be part, to listen. And one of the first things that they said after uh, the 2020 election was we have to move on. We've got to leave that behind. We've got to let that go, all that election stuff. And also the January 6th, no, we've got to change the subject. We've got to move on. We've got to leave that behind. So it's the mantra. It's going to be the mantra for Fox News, too. They didn't want to talk about January the 6th. Very few uh, channels will. But so the left really wants the left, not the left. Well, might be some uh, some intersection there. But the rhinos want us to move on from January the 6th. They don't want to bring anybody to account for what happened on that day. Uh, and they don't want to help anybody that's being punished for that. Uh, they want to move on. Let's move on and get past 2020 and the, the election problems. We got to move on. Uh, my comment is always, well, then we should never have hung the Nazis in Nuremberg because the war was over. So why did we bother? to go through those trials. Why did we bother? Nevertheless, that's what the donor class wants to do. Interestingly enough, though, not when it comes to Mike Pence. We have to go back to J6. We got we to gotta make sure that we go back to it and declare Mike Pence innocent. That's, I just but, think that's upside down. But see, again, that's, again, part of having your cake and eating it, too. Mike Pence wants to go back to January 6th only in regard to what was his role and that he was justified in doing what he, he did. He doesn't want to hear anything about what happened to anybody else as a result of January 6th. Have you heard Mike Pence make any statement about we have to do justice to the people that no, were arrested on January 6th? absolutely not. Absolutely. Have you heard him make any kind of comment about the response or lack thereof by the Capitol Police on January 6th? I've heard him say nothing about it. He is only obsessed with, was I right? I need you to tell me I was right. Mm-hmm. For because what I, I want to be the candidate. Because I want to be president. <laughs> I want you to commit all, yeah. uh, convince yeah. all these millions of people who are not supporting any, me anymore that they're making a mistake. Yeah. All right, Willie, we've, we've done enough on Pence, I think. I, I want to go back to DeSantis. Um, I think um, my personal opinion is that I believe Ron is great, and I think he means what he says. And he does what he says. He puts the pedal to the metal and actually does it. 
Uh, but I want to. Uh, I don't think last night was terrific for him. I think Vivek is a much better communicator and outshined him. But I want to give you a few moments of DeSantis here. Uh, this is what he had to say about uh, crime in the United States. This is clip two. Crime's at a 50-year low in, in Florida. Not we're, in Miami. We're, we're happy with that. Well, the statewide, it's a 50-year low. And so here's the thing. These hollowed-out cities, this is a symptom of America's decline. And one of the biggest reasons is because you have George Soros funding these radical left-wing district attorneys. They get into office and they say they're not going to prosecute crimes they disagree with. The inmates start running the asylum. There's one guy in this entire country that's ever done anything about that, me. When we had two of these district attorneys in Florida elected with Soros funding who said they wouldn't do their job, I removed them from their posts. They are gone. And as president, as president, we are going to go after all of these people because they are hurting the quality of life and they are victimizing innocent people in every corner of this country. And it will stop when I get into office. Amen. Because that is a big, big problem in our country right now. This dual uh, justice system and we have we have people walking into stores and literally taking thousands of dollars of merchandise while everyone just stands and watches them we have crime rates doubling murders robberies rapes out of control and what are we talking about arresting donald trump four different times the the justice system has gotten off key um, Merrick Garland and the DOJ, they have become nothing more than like an, uh, an armed army for Joe Biden. When they need someone taken out because they're threatening the Biden's uh, crime family, that's what the DOJ is being used for now, not to prosecute crime. Well, and I think the point that also needs to be made is that we know that uh, um, Ron DeSantis does that. He did do those things. He fights crime. He has he has been very bold. He does exactly what he says. He's not just talk. You, you can you can imagine what the bar associations and things thought of him when he removed these district attorneys. Like, how dare you interview? You know what? Amen that he did no. that because that took a lot of guts, and um, and he did not hesitate. No, he, he heard what was going on, and he said, "We're not going to have this in Florida." These crimes are going to be prosecuted. And then, and then of course, on the, the transgender issue, he takes on Disney World? Yeah. Who does that? Talk about politically incorrect. He took it on and he's hung in there. I mean, he's, he's hung on there. So I just want to make that point. Again, you've heard me say this before. I've said it about President Trump. Look at what a man does, not at what he says. And I think that we need to bear that in mind when we watch these debates. Like yes. Vivek. Ramaswamy, I mean, he was absolutely delightful in many ways last night. But you have to remember, Ron DeSantis, after President Trump, is the front runner. And he, uh, he has to, he can't just be a loose cannon and say, he's got a responsibility because he is so uh, popular with people. You know, he might be the candidate. Vivek Ramaswamy, he's playing with house money. He's the new guy on the block. Um, I love what he said, but, you know, saying things and doing things 
as you always say, Sandy, look at what a man does, not what he says. Yeah. I wish Vivek could do the things he talks about, and maybe he can. But we know that Ron DeSantis has a long track record, and it's not just doing minor things. Like you say, who takes on Disney yeah. and wins right, exactly. and says, if you don't like it, go pack. Yeah. Um, Florida is based on the tourist industry. This was taking on Goliath, and he took him on, and he he smacked him upside the head. Yeah, we have to confess, we don't want him to be the president. <laughs> we live in Florida, we don't want him to be. But I'm just telling you, this is the gauge which we have to all use. And uh, to make your point on Vivek, I, I just loved what he said. I, he delights me every time I hear him talk. I'll give people an idea. Uh, he did a closing remark last night, um, and it was it was powerful. Let's listen. This is clip 10. This is our moment to revive those common ideals. God is real. There are two genders. Fossil fuels are a requirement for human prosperity. Reverse racism is racism. An open border is not a border. Parents determine the education of their children. The nuclear family is the greatest form of governance known to man. Capitalism lifts us up from poverty. There are three branches of government, not four. And the U.S. Constitution, it is the strongest guarantor of freedom in human history. That is what won us the American Revolution. That is what will win us the revolution of 2024. All right, so Vivek Ramaswamy, you can see why I said I think he won last night. He did a, a great job. But I, okay, now listen to me. I want, uh, you have to listen with discernment. I'm telling you a lot of things. I'm not declaring, I will declare on some things when I think it's appropriate. I've been really hard on Mike Pence because I've been following him for a long time. I think I understand what's happening. And I have to tell you that. On Vivek Ramaswamy, I think he's, I think we have to be careful. I'm not, I'm not making any final judgments because I have to look more into it. But there are concerns about him, and you're gonna, I'm sure you'll hear about him now that he's probably going to go up in the polls after last night's debate. But Vivek, um, uh, Vivek, according to some sources, has a very strong relationship with George Soros. And he was also one of those young leaders, young world leaders. Remember I told you that Tulsi Gabbard was one of those, and that's why I didn't trust her when she was on television all the time. Uh, I was I was just very concerned about her being related uh, in some sort of relationship with the World Economic Forum. Now, I can't declare for her either that that means what it seems to mean, but you have to be suspicious or concerned if there's an affiliation like that. Vivek is also a young world leader for the World Economic Forum, and um, did I say already, has allegedly some sort of a relationship that goes way back with the Soros family. So I don't know what that means. It may mean nothing. It may mean he was young and now he's different. He's young now, but maybe he was different then. It could mean all of those things. I I actually want him to be the real thing. That's what I would really hope for. I would say that it's certainly not a waste to have him on these debates because of what he says. He has got so much courage, you see. Well, as Bruce just said, he doesn't have anything to lose now. I think he's worth nearly $500 million because of his work in the tech industry. Uh, but um, but he's, he's a valuable voice on that stage. He talks about ESG and about uh, critical race theory and all of that. And thank God for that. He brings up those topics and speaks boldly. Well, again, he is not tethered to anybody that we know of. 
uh, now, uh, uh, obviously, other than this Soros connection, we have to be careful of. We have, to, we, have sure to, we have to find out if he is tethered to something. But on its face, he is pretty much of an independent. And to bring these ideas to the debate, I think, is needed and is refreshing. You know, we, we had some people get up there and really give talking points. And you know what? This is not a time for talking points. No. We have to beat Joe Biden or Michelle Obama or Gavin Newsom or whoever ends up being the Democratic candidate. And believe me, our work is cut out for us because the cheating is already starting. We're hearing the, the about the COVID restrictions starting to come back. And don't kid yourself. This isn't about a disease. This is about an election. And getting uh, another slew of write-in ballots, uh, you know, to go out to everyone in the country because, oh, we have to be careful about this disease. We can't be together. And they're, the left, you can bet, is already planning how they're going to cheat and win this election. Yeah, I think you're right, honey. Um, I, I think let's take a pause. We have a couple more things we want to say about this. I have another clip to play for you. And we'll do that in just a second. Uh, but meanwhile, I want to thank Christian Health Ministries because they are a brand new sponsor. Uh, and uh, medical care is important, isn't it? I mean, uh, that's another way the left controls us is through our medical care, our medical records. That's what they want to do. They want to control. What if you, your child can't get any health care because you have the wrong politics? That's what we're leading up to. We need um, we need an insurance company, really. I, I We have to really watch this. We're not there yet but where insurance companies dole out help or support based on your politics, we can't let that happen. With Christian Health Ministries, of course, that's not going to be an issue. Uh, and they are in open enrollment right now at chministries.org. That's chministries.org. <clears throat> Just be sure and tell them that Sandy sent you uh, and that we're new partners, and we're glad to be. Christian Health Ministries, chministries.org. This is Sandy Rios 24-7 on American Family Radio. The decline in education is one of the major reasons why our country is in decline. We need education in this country, not indoctrination in this country. And in Florida, Florida, we stood up for what was right. First, we had schools open during COVID, and a lot of the problems that we've seen are because these lockdown states lock their kids out of school for a year, year and a half. That was wrong. We stood up. I took a lot of fire for that. I was uh, I was pilloried by the media, but I stood for our kids. And as president, I'll stand for you and your kids as well. But we have to make sure that what our schools are doing is focusing on solid academics. In Florida, we eliminated critical race theory from our K-12 schools. We eliminated gender ideology from our K through 12 schools. And we have elevated the importance of American civics and teaching our kids about the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. As president, I'm going to lead an effort to increase civic understanding and knowledge of our Constitution. We cannot be graduating students that don't have any foundation in what it means to be an American. All right, and that with uh, Governor Ron DeSantis, and of course, he's done each and every one of those things in spades. So he just has, and that has to be restated. Uh, honey, any final thoughts about the debate, something that you haven't had a chance to share that you've observed? Well, I think that it, it, it was good to, to, to have this, I would call it sort of a shakeout, and not have Donald Trump there. 
because otherwise I think everyone would have just been focused on trying to take down Trump. Um, this way, it led to a more diversified um, conversation about different topics, um, and you really got to hear people's agendas more than just trying to, trying to knock down President Trump. Um, what that will be the next time if President Trump decides to get in, I don't know. I do want him to debate. Mm -hmm. I don't want him to pass on all of these debates. But I'm glad that we did. Uh, I, I, I have to be honest. I wasn't really that excited about watching last night, but I, it, they, turned my, they turned my opinion around. I was glad that they did it the yeah, way they did. Me too. And it was revealing. They revealed themselves. They said things they probably wouldn't have said if Donald Trump had been on that stage. So I'm really glad. Thank you, honey, for joining me on that. And by the way, before we say goodbye, I want to thank my sponsors. Preborn, you know, Preborn Network Clinics has rescued over 200,000 babies from abortion. And every day they save 200 babies' lives. And that's because of you. They can't do it without you. They can't do it without me being the mouthpiece. And so that's the part that I play in this. If you have not had a chance to give to Preborn, go to preborn.com slash Sandy. That's preborn.com slash Sandy. And on the issue of health care, you know, that reminds me when Barack Obama insisted that the Obamacare plans cover abortion. Remember that? And, and uh, birth control, which is amazing. And gave, gave us a glimpse of what it would be like if government controlled our health care. And God spare us from that. Literally, God, please spare us from that. But we're not there yet, thank God. And there is another plan, by the way, another alternative to medical insurance, and that's Christian Health Ministries. It's the longest-serving health cost-sharing ministry. It's been around for over 40 years. It works in all 50 uh, states. It also works uh, across the globe. So uh, you would be in good hands, and you can pick your own doctor. I can't say that enough. I don't think I would choose any coverage unless I was desperate now if I couldn't do that, because doctors are not all the same. Did you learn that through COVID? I certainly learned it through COVID. And so uh, pick, you can pick your doctor and use Christian Healthcare Ministries as your uh, financial support when you go and see him. Go to chministries.org. That's chministries.org. And if you want to know something more about the show, go to sandyrios.com, sandyrios.com. That's also a great place to listen. You can call us at 6, I bet you know the number now, right? Say it with me. 662-821-2040. Or you can write us at sandy at afr.net. You can listen on all the podcast platforms like Apple, Spotify, Amazon, whatever your favorite is. Or you can go to afr.net, our home base, our mothership, and listen to Sandy Rios 24-7. Well, thanks for listening today. We appreciate it. I made some of you mad and some of you happy. Uh, so we'd love to hear from you, 662-821-2040. Thanks for listening to today's edition of Sandy Rios 24-7.